I love going to the city. Um, I love driving in the city. Who loves driving in the city? I just find it like, you know, Mario Kart's the game. It's like that in reality and I love it. It's an adventure. Um, and while I was down there, I got to catch up with a really good friend of mine uh, for dinner. And, you know, she's one of those people that is always on whatever is great. She's one of those people that when you go out to dinner with them, you don't even bother to look at the menu. You just go, I'll have what she's having because you know it'll be great. She's the one that does all the research into the what is the new greatest, best place to eat on the planet in Sydney. And so I just said, just tell me where to go. I'll come. And But it was in the city centre. Now, I'm all good with the city. Not so great in the city centre because it's, it's busy and it was night time and it was raining, which was excellent. However, I'm, and I was running late, which is so unlike me. But anyway, I got there and I had to find parking that was not going to make me mortgage my house for two hours of parking. So I found parking. I got to the restaurant. We had a lovely night. We had, it was really nice to catch up with her. And then I had to drive home. And while we'd been in the restaurant, the rain, which was torrential when I first got there, was ridiculously torrential when I left, which is, you know, that just adds to Sydney driving, really, pouring rain that you can't see through. And it was, I was driving through, because you can't, you know, Sydney, there's one-way streets this way, there's road work this way. So I knew that in any other place, you can just use your brain and go, well, I'll just go back the way I came. Well, that just doesn't work in Sydney. So... I had my trusty little maps on my phone with Siri, you know, that comforting little voice of Siri, you know, in 200 metres, take the first left onto Bridge Street. You know, she's, oh, she never gets flustered like me in the car. She's quiet little voice, not so quiet because I had the volume up so I could hear it. But this, this voice just continuously telling me where I needed to go. It was unfamiliar. It was windy because it was in the rocks. So everything is really windy. And, and I got the little voice, you know, in 200 metres, turn left onto Bridge Street and head towards the M2. And I, it's bumper to bumper, you know, which in some ways was I, I was kind of stressing about because, you know, it, it's hard to make a mistake when there's 3,000 other people in the lane with you. So I, it was bumper to bumper, it was pouring, and I was basically just following the car in front of me, hoping they were going where I was going, thinking once I get out of this onto the motorway, because it was quite late, um, it'll be easy. Smooth sailing because it's open and easy. And so I got onto the motorway only to find that the rain had increased to a ridiculous level and the motorway was dark and it was slippery and there were no tail lights to follow as I got out of the city. There was only blinding oncoming headlights from the traffic coming the other way. And Siri said to me, continue straight on for 21 kilometres. So I was staying out in the hills. And then she was silent. And I was like, awesome. So I've got 21 kilometres to drive on a dark, slippery road in the driving rain. You know, when you put the, you know, you put, the, I don't know if you like this, but you know, you start with the windscreen wipers, you put them on intermittent. That's, you know, and then you have to flick them up to all the time. And then you have to flick them up to power wash. And even then it's not really clearing this. That's what it was like. And so I had to, I had 21 kilometres. It was dark, it was slippery, it was wet. 
I had blinding oncoming traffic. And the only thing I could do was to try desperately to focus on the little white line in the middle and the next one and the next one. And I I thought I should write a letter to the council in Sydney and say you need to repaint those lines because they are not very white. And I was straining and straining and straining until Siri's voice came back and gave me my next instruction. Have you ever felt like that in life? A bit like, okay, I heard that. I know, I know what direction I'm supposed to be heading in. I've not heard anything since. Can't really see where I'm going. I'm just focused on the next point that I can see, hoping that the person who put that point, marker point there was actually sane that day and it's not pointing in the right, and I'm still on the right. Have you ever felt like that in life? A bit like I'm, everything is silent. I know I'm heading in the right direction. I know that was my last instruction, but I'm, I'm really not overly sure. I'm just really putting all my faith in the last voice that I heard in the silence until I hear something else. So everything in life can go well, right? I'm enjoying it. Like I was enjoying my dinner catch up with my friend. We were laughing. We were relaxed. It was easy. Life was good. And then all of a sudden I found myself in unfamiliar territory, desperately straining to follow the taillights in front of me, confident that it was going to get easier. And it didn't. It actually got harder. And then the voice that was guiding me so clearly stopped and it was silence. And I thought, life is often like that, isn't it? Sometimes silence comes as a curveball in life. We're happy, we're relaxed, we're enjoying life. Then we're, we're in, a, in a zone where we're following along and then all of a sudden it's dark and it's silent and we're unsure. And I don't think the silence is bad. I just think we know how to, need to know how to deal with it and what to focus on when things are silent. And sometimes in the silence we can give up. I mean, I couldn't really in Sydney if I pulled up in the middle of the motorway. I don't think that would have worked. But sometimes in the silence we can give up because we're not hearing anything. Or we can panic. I had moments of that when I couldn't see the line. We can second guess and think, is this really where I was going? Is this really the right direction? Did I really hear clearly? Gosh, I hope I'm going the right way. We can think we've been forgotten. I was starting to wonder whether the, the net had crashed and Siri had gone to sleep. You know, it's nice when she says every couple of kilometres this or that. Or... So we can second guess. We can think we've been forgotten or overlooked in the silence. And I want to talk about the silence this morning because I want to talk about not ever losing sight of Jesus. Let's never lose sight of Jesus. I want to read this morning. Is it okay if we read a little bit of Scripture in church this morning? Is that okay? I'll try and make it interesting. Is that, well, it is interesting, but I'll try and present it in an interesting manner for you. But I want, to, I want to look at the passage of Scripture about Lazarus, when Lazarus dies. And it's in John 11, and I'm going to skip around. We're going to do 1 to 7, then 11 to 15, and then 17 to 45. Don't panic, Okay. In the village of Bethany, there was a man named Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary was one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her long hair. One day, Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. So his sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love, is very sick. Please come. And when he heard this, he said, 
This sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. Finally, on the third day, he said to his disciples, come, it's time to go to Bethany. Then, then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. It's time that I go and awaken him. When they heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if he has just fallen asleep, then he'll get better. Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death, but the disciples presumed he was talking about natural sleep. Silly them. Then Jesus made it plain to them, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let us go and see him. Now, when they arrived at Bethany, which was only about two miles from Jerusalem, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Many of Mary and Martha's friends had come from the region to console them over the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, My Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if I were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. She replied, yes, I know he will rise with everyone else on the resurrection day. Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection. I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Then Martha replied, yes, Lord, I do. I've always believed that you are the anointed one, the son of God who has come into the world for us. And then she left and hurried off to her sister Mary and called her aside from all the mourners and whispered to her, the master is here and he's asking for you. So when Mary heard this, she quickly went off to find him for Jesus was lingering outside the village at the same spot where Martha met him. Now, when Mary's friends who were comforting her noticed how quickly she ran out of the house, they followed her, assuming she was going to the tomb of her brother to mourn. When Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. And he said to them, where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you, they replied. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. Seeing Jesus weep caused many of the mourners to say, look how much he loved Lazarus. Yet others said, Isn't this the one who opens blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? Then Jesus, with intense emotions, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. And Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Then Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days since he died. By now his body is already decomposing. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you will believe in me, you will see God unveil his power. So they rolled away the heavy stone. Jesus gazed into, the, into heaven and said, Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer. For you listen to every word I speak. Now that these who stand here with me now, so that these who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to the earth as your messenger. I will use the power you have given me. Then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. 
He still had his grave clothes tightly wrapped around him and his hands and feet covering his face. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him loose. And from that day forward, many of those who had come to visit Mary believed in him for they had seen with their own eyes this amazing miracle. You know, Sometimes we can read the Bible and because we read it retrospectively, we know what happens. But I want us to be in that moment. I want us to be in that moment. So these two sisters, Mary and Martha, they send a message to Jesus because their brother is very sick. And he's not just got the flu. He's very sick to the point of death. He's really, really sick. And we know that Jesus loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They know that. They know that they can depend on him. They know that if he can make it quickly, then Lazarus won't die. That's what they both say to him. If only you'd been able to get here, our brother would not have died. And they're not blaming him. What they're actually saying is, we have so much faith in you. We know you so well that if you had been able to get here, we know our brother wouldn't have died. So, you know, it's a shame that you couldn't have been here. To that point, everything had been good. They'd they'd all encountered Jesus. They'd all had a life-changing experience from encountering Jesus. They'd seen him heal the sick. They'd heard about the miracles he was doing. They knew what was happening. So they send a messenger and say, our brother Lazarus, the one that you love, is very sick. Please come. You're our only hope. We know that. And, And I don't think they were mad with him. I just think they thought he couldn't get there. And what's Jesus' response when he hears this? He says, Sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness the Son of, God, of, the, of the Son of God by what takes place. So he knew what would happen. You know, Jesus always knows the outcome. He said that. Mary and Martha didn't hear that, but he knew the outcome. And in our lives, When we're worried about stuff, when we think the only way that this is going to change is by an absolute miraculous intervention of God, He knows the outcome. He's not thinking, gee, I wonder how this will finish up. Gee, I hope this has a good ending. Gee, I hope I can get there in time. Gee, I hope they pray soon enough. Gee, I hope they give me enough time to consider it and bring my answer and and heal them. No, He already knows the answer. He already knew that there would be a great outcome here. Now, even though he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. Why? Because he knew the outcome. He knew the outcome. He stays where he is for two more days, presumably long enough for the messenger to get back without him. So the messenger comes. Let's have a look at it. The messenger comes and goes back, says, he's not coming. So Jesus heard their request. We know that. We know that he loved them. So he heard them and he loved them, but he stayed. He heard them and he loved them, but he stayed because he always hears. He always hears us. He hears the smallest, most desperate cry of our heart, even when we can't articulate it. He always hears us. He always loves us. 
He always loves us. He loved us before we knew Him. He loved us. Before we were created on this planet, He loved us. He knew us and He loved us and He hears us. We know that. So what is our response to that? Our response is to hold on to the promises, to hold on to not what we think, our way of looking at the circumstance, but to hold on to His truth. He is who He says He is. He is the healer. He is the person who brings breakthrough. He is the saviour of the planet. He is the King of kings. He is the one who can make the impossible possible. So we hang on even if it takes some time because this is what I think. Just because we're ready doesn't mean it's time. Just because we're ready, I'm always ready for God to do something in my life. Just because we're desperate, just because we're in pain doesn't mean it's time. Just because the issue, the sickness, the promise is the problem is pressing just because we're aware of it, it's revealed, doesn't mean it's time for God to move. There were other things in this particular situation that Jesus was about to do that were powerful and life-changing, not just for Lazarus. Because God is, Jesus is always, always, always about us, but His perspective is always bigger. You know, and I think if you were to go back to Mary and Martha and Lazarus now and say, were well, you happy with the outcome? Yes, because they got the outcome they were wanting, hoping, praying for, but they got so much more. It's hard not to doubt when God doesn't move immediately. It would be so nice, wouldn't it? It would be so nice if, you know, you had a need you said, Jesus, I just need you to touch this need. And boom, it was fixed. But it wouldn't grow our faith. It wouldn't grow our relationship with him. It wouldn't make us dig in. It wouldn't make us need other people to hold up our hands and believe with us. You know, we, our whole year this year is better together. And sometimes I think I look at that passage and I see Mary and Martha and I see Lazarus dying. And, and if Jesus had come, It would have just been the three of them that were impacted by that. But because he died, they had to gather others. Others came. Others had the opportunity to believe with them. Others had the opportunity to stand with them and pray. Others had the opportunity to do life with them. And then Jesus comes and others are impacted by what happens. It's hard in the silence. So day one, the messenger comes to Jesus. Day two, the messenger returns to Mary and Martha alone. Day three, Jesus waits another day, then departs. And day four, Jesus arrives. And Mary and Martha have no idea that Jesus is on his way. And that should give us great encouragement. They've got no idea. They just see it statically. We asked him to come. He didn't come. Lazarus is dead. It'll be nice to see Jesus if he comes. But they don't know he's coming. They don't know he's on the way. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you've got a situation that you're believing for, Jesus is on the way. He's not going to trumpet announce it. He just comes. He just comes. And he just comes and he, he knows what the outcome will be. 
That rainy night in Sydney, it was easy when Siri's voice was giving me instructions every couple of seconds. It was easy when I could see the taillights in front of me and had something to follow. But when it was dark and silent, I doubted a couple of times a positive result. I doubted, I thought, what if I take the wrong exit? What if I put, I mean, just the day before, I'd put the wrong place in my maps. So I was actually heading to the place that Siri thought I wanted to go, but it absolutely wasn't where I was going. What if I put the wrong directions in? What if, what if I got it wrong? I lost sight of the fact that I could actually get to where I needed to go. Day one, Mary and Martha are confident because Jesus has heard about Lazarus and everything will be all right as long as Jesus comes. Day two, the messenger returns having delivered the message, but without Jesus. Day three, silence, but Jesus is coming. Day four, Jesus arrives and the miracle happens. In the silence, we can get resentful. Come on. Martha had given it all for Jesus. Martha's the one that Jesus has to tell to sit down because she's so busy trying to make everything great and trying to honour him and trying to make everything run smoothly. She works hard. She poured herself out. She served. Yet when she needs him, silence. Ever felt like that? It's not fair. I'm doing my best. I'm praying as hard as I can. I'm on team. I'm turning up. I'm in church every Sunday. I've got a need. Silence. Silence can make you get resentful. In the silence, we can second guess. What did I do wrong? Is there some sin in my life that I'm not aware of? Maybe God's going to, you know, was it because I accidentally slipped that little swear word out the other day when I stubbed my toe? Like, is that why Jesus... Can I just tell you, Jesus is not petty about stuff like that. You know, we can second guess. Is, it, is there something wrong with me? Should I have prayed sooner? Maybe the girls would have thought that. The sisters would have thought that. Maybe we should have sent earlier. Should I have asked earlier? Should I have prayed more? Should I have prayed differently? Should I have gone to that healing evangelist that was in town? Should I have, should I have told the pastor? Should I have, should I have, should I have? What did I do wrong? Is it because I'm not committed enough? Is it because I don't come from a Christian family? We can second guess. In the silence, we can lose sight of Jesus. But he loves, he hears, and he moves. He loves, he hears, and he moves. It wasn't just about healing a sick Lazarus. It was about resurrecting that which was dead. He could have healed. He could have, we saw him do it. He could have just given a word to the messenger and said, when you get back, Lazarus will be fine. He could have. Could have. He didn't actually have to go, but he went. Because it wasn't just about healing someone that was sick. It was about sending a message all through the generations to right now that even though something is dead, it is not beyond what Jesus can touch, resurrect and bring life to. Lazarus was way beyond the point, really, wasn't he, of help. He was beyond the point of no return. Too far gone without hope. Yet Jesus says to his disciples, Jesus made it plain to them, Lazarus is dead and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there because now 
you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let us go and see him. Sometimes it's about us. I don't know about you, but I can have God move in my life in a miraculous way. And the next time I face something that is large and and concerning and life-changing, I forget about the power that I've seen in my life. He wants to remind us this morning, He's done it before and He can do it again. In your life, He's touched your life in a way that has changed you before and the circumstance that you're facing now is no different because He can do it again. And when He does it again, it will remind you not of how needy you are, but of how amazing and great and faithful and loved you are. Many who were with Mary and Martha mourning Lazarus' death following, um, followed Mary when Jesus arrived. They, they followed her because she left the house so quickly, expecting her to just be going to the grave. And this is what the Scripture says. From that day forward, after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, from that day forward, many of those who had come to visit Mary believed in Him, for they had seen with their own eyes this amazing miracle. It was about others. It was about others seeing it. It was about others witnessing it. There is a power when Jesus comes, when the time is right, and He knows when the time is right. He's never too late. He's never too early. He's never too late. And we trust that when He comes, it's the right time. And it impacted Lazarus. It impacted Mary and Martha. It impacted the disciples and reminded them that He moves in power, that He is able to do what no one else can do, that He loved, that He heard, and it impacted those who were simply there to spectate. And in our lives, whenever God moves, whenever God moves, when Jesus comes and touches our lives, yes, it impacts us. Yes, it impacts those who are close to us. But I believe that God always wants to impact those who are just standing by saying, let's see what happens here. Those people were not expecting Jesus to turn up. Lazarus was dead. It was done. They were not expecting to encounter Jesus that day and and encounter a miracle. They wouldn't have been there. They wouldn't have seen. These were people, I believe, that had just come to help the sisters. And they came and they encountered Jesus totally unsuspecting. Jesus always loves. He always hears. And He always Responds. He always loves. You might be here this morning and there's silence in your life. I want to just encourage you today. Jesus always loves. It's not about your performance. It's not about your commitment. It's not about whether you're doing the right thing. He loves you anyway. He always loves you. He loves you whether you know Him or not. He always hears. He always hears us. We're His children. He always hears us. So it's not, you know, it's not that the heavens are brass. He hears you. He loves you. And He will respond. He will respond. What about you today? Is there an area or a situation in your life where you've lost sight of Jesus? Where it's silent? Where you've prayed and believed? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe you've got a a child. Um 
who's currently not following Jesus or not in a place that you think is healthy and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've believed and you've believed and you've fasted and you've done all that you know how to do, but somehow it's silent. Maybe it's a health issue. You know, maybe it's yours. Maybe it's someone who you're close to. And you've prayed and you've prayed and you've believed and you've fasted and you've asked and you've lamented and it's silent. Maybe you've got an issue in your your finances and you're waiting for a breakthrough there and you've done all that you can do and it's silent like Siri. Continues straight on for 21 kilometres. Maybe it's silent. Maybe it's a relational issue, your marriage. I don't know. There are so many things that it could be, but you know as I'm speaking this morning that there's a silence and it's made you resentful. It's made you second guess. And I'm here to remind you this morning, don't lose sight of Jesus because He always loves, He always hears, and He always responds. He always loves, He always hears, and He always responds. I wonder if you'd stand with me this morning. I'd like to give us opportunity today. You know, I've encouraged you as best I can that Jesus loves you, that He hears you, and that He will respond. And this morning I am absolutely convinced there are people here who are sitting in that silence, waiting. Day three, it's silent. You've asked. You know He's heard. It's day three. The great thing about day three is that's when he began to move. So this morning I wonder if you would be brave enough to respond because I would love to pray for you this morning. We'd love to pray this morning. If you're standing in the silence today in a particular situation in life, would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand. It's just a response, you know, to God. It's Just raise your hand. I mean, you can stay in the silence. But if you're standing in the silence for a particular circumstance in your life this morning, just slip your hand up. Now, church, if you're standing near someone who has their hand raised, I would love you to pray for them. But just put your hand, don't be weird. Just put your hand on their shoulder, on their back. And we're going to agree together in prayer this morning. We're going to agree together in prayer. Are you with me? This is the church, better together. Here we are. We're going to pray this morning. So if you've got your hand raised, I want you to bring to your mind that circumstance. Don't need to tell people because God hears. He knows. You can if you want to, but just wait. Raise your hand. Bring that circumstance to, to mind and I'm going to pray. Let's all believe together. Lord, I just thank you today. And church, let's pray. Don't just lay your hand on. Let's pray so I can hear you. Thank you, Jesus, this morning that you always love, that you love every person with their hand raised this morning. You have heard about every circumstance and situation that is represented by a raised hand this morning. And not only have you heard it, but you are on the move. And so, Lord, I thank You for every circumstance here this morning. Everyone who feels like they are standing in silence. Lord, I just want their hearts to be encouraged today to know that You're moving. And that is so encouraging because when You come, You bring resurrection. Things that were past, things that were gone, 
things that look dead, things that look unable to be resurrected, things that look like there is no hope. You are an absolute expert in these areas. And so this morning for every hand that is raised, I pray absolute resurrection, power and life into that circumstance. What was dead is now alive. What was hopeless, there is now hope. What was ill and sick and and needed healing is 100% healed in Jesus' Name. What is severed is restored in Jesus' Name. And Lord, I thank You for it. I thank You for Your miracles in this house this morning, not just for us, not just for the person, but Lord, for those who are looking on. I thank You for every person who knows about a circumstance that is here today. I think of the the observers, the family, the workmates, the school friends. I think of the neighbours who know about these situations and circumstances. And I thank You as You bring the answer, as You bring response, as You bring resurrection, that many will come to know You. I pray that we would be reminded this morning of who You are and Your great love for us and the fact that You are a miracle-working God. And I thank You this morning for every answered prayer to every raised hand. The more impossible, the better. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. God is good, yeah? God is good. I just want to encourage You this morning. He's good all the time. Just as we finish, you might be here this morning and and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Maybe you're not a regular church attender. Doesn't matter. God loves you anyway. He hears you anyway. And this morning, I would just love to give you an opportunity to meet Him. You know, it's not complicated. The thing I love about Jesus and the thing I love about our faith is that it's so not complicated. He, he created us to live in relationship with Him. And some of us aren't aware of that. Some of us don't know that. Some of us haven't been raised in houses or households or families that, that subscribe to that point of view. And that's totally fine. It doesn't change the fact. He knows you. He loves you. He created you to live in relationship with Him. I wasn't raised in a Christian family. I was raised in a great family. We just didn't know Jesus. And one day I came into a church not dissimilar to this. And I heard the Word. I heard about how God loved me. I heard about, you know, how He he heard me. I heard about how He responds to me. And, you know, I just wanted in my life, I needed a change. I needed to know that in my silent moments, there was someone who was still walking beside me. There was someone who was still listening to me. There was someone who was giving me a path to take. And so this morning, very simply, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I wonder if we could close our eyes and bow our heads. And the opportunity is this. If you would like that, if you would like to know that absolute assurance, a bit like Siri, who is there, helping, guiding, directing, making a way, This amazing Jesus who loves you, who knows you, who hears you, who responds to you. If you would like to know Him on a personal level, it's the easiest thing ever. You just need to raise your hand. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. So if you say, yep, before men, I will say, yep, He's mine in front of my Father in heaven. So I wonder this morning, if you're here, 
if you would raise your hand. Nobody's looking around apart from me. And I'm just going to acknowledge that and then we're going to all pray together. And I can assure you, it changed my life and it will change yours. It gave me a peace. It gave me a purpose. It gave me a destiny. So right now, if you're here, right, you raise your hand. We're just going to all pray together. As I look across, I'm not going to take a long time, but if you're here this morning, you say, that's me. I want to respond. I want to know Jesus on that level in my life. Maybe you've walked with Jesus before, but, you know, circumstances have pushed you out and you just really want to reconnect this morning. Can I encourage you to just raise your hand really quickly as I look across? I'll acknowledge it and then we're all going to pray together. We're all going to pray together anyway as I look across this morning. Fantastic. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for these amazing people. I thank you for your amazing word. Pray we would apply it to our lives. Church, we're going to pray this prayer together this morning. I love that every Sunday we pray this. I love that every Sunday we have the opportunity to just freshly say, I believe in you. So let's pray it together. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow you. Amen. Okay, so go out into the week confident that He loves you. He hears you and He is responding to you in Jesus' name. Rob's going to give us some details. Thanks, guys.